On this episode of Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast from Scoop News Group, automation for the nation. It's just really basically to to build a recipe, a successful recipe, that once we prove that it works, it really uh, it really can be grown and uh, uh, scaled and distributed nationwide. This is Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast. Every other week, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher education IT and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening across the community. A former technology manager at Northeastern University's Immersive Media Lab is being charged with falsely conveying a bomb threat and lying to federal agents. Jason Duhame was arrested in Texas for allegedly masterminding a bomb hoax that took place in the university's Boston campus. A Northeastern spokesperson confirmed that Duhame is no longer employed by the university. Universities are struggling to connect with their students, according to new survey results published by Salesforce. The survey from the software firm found that 12% of students feel a strong sense of belonging at their institutions. The report recommends that higher education institutions step up efforts to engage and support students from pre-enrollment until after graduation. Students are adjusting to online learning, but technology challenges persist, according to survey results from Educause. 77% of students say they experienced technical issues in the 2021-2022 academic year. 51% of those reported that those issues caused them to feel stressed. You can find all these stories and more on statescoop.com and in today's show notes. George Mason University is expanding its robotic process automation focus to a statewide community of practice. The newly launched robotic process automation community of practice in the Commonwealth of Virginia will bring together universities to use automation, technologies to improve operations, and also prepare for the workforce needs of the future. The RPA Initiative's co-founders David Rare and Doran Montiano tell me about how the effort got going and what's coming next. Maybe we'll tell you a few words like the historical background of what led to this um, uh, initiative. Is, is that okay with you? Of course, yeah, go for it. So as you know, um, or maybe some of the audience knows, um, the academic community of practice um, at, at um, George Mason sits within the Robotic Process Automation Initiative uh, hosted at the Center for Business Civic Engagement at the Shar School of Policy and Government. Um, the RPA initiative, which is the uh, prior uh, initiative to the academic COP, RPA Community Practice, um, was publicly launched uh, last year in January 2021. Um, however, uh, this is the first academic initiative in the nation uh, and globally um, which sits at the intersection of technology and policy. Our vision is to become the nation's prominent academic initiative for the study of software automations, complexities, and its ramifications on society. Truly, our mission is to research, educate, and communicate how this technology, emerging technology of software automation, um, and this includes robotic process automation, intelligent automations, and everything in between, um, it can improve the efficiency and effectiveness um, of federal government, meaning um, its productivity, its operations, and its citizen services delivery. Uh, we also look in at um, public policy initiatives um, and how it can shape uh, how we can shape those through the work that we do, as well as um, the future of work. Um, now, in terms of our um, uh, business model, if I can call it that way. We are a 
a uh, uh, as I said, we sit at the intersection of technology and policy. So we are also a public-private sector collaboration, um, and we're always seeking for private sector uh, support. Um, this is kind of what we do right now within the RPA initiative. Our story goes back about uh, three plus years um, when we when we first had the first conversation uh, with David uh, about software automation and how software automation can play a role within uh, the federal government as well as um, in academia. So we got together uh, over uh, a lunch and we kind of brainstormed a little bit, he, considering both of our previous backgrounds in both technology and policy um, and learning more and understanding better this um, space of software automation and robotic process automation, uh, we kind of just you know decided that we should do something uh, about it and form uh, an initiative. And at that time, I think David recently launched um, uh, his center, George Mason, uh, the Shar School called the Center for Business Civic Engagement that basically was looking at uh, different private sector principles and concepts and how those they can be applied um, for the federal governments to, government to make it more efficient and effective. So we thought that we find the perfect solution that kind of addresses that. So long story short, um, we kicked it off. Then we, we decided we're going to do it. We partner up. And then we started to have conversations and meetings with different uh, um, industry leaders in this space. Uh, both bigger and smaller one since the, the ecosystem was emerging. Um, and we officially kicked it out uh, and publicly launched it on this on January 2021 uh, with the support of uh, um, UiPath, which is one of the leading companies uh, uh, in the RPA or robotic process automation uh, space. Um, that's kind of Briefly, how we started, but David, you want to add something to? Yeah, let me I just said? go and talk about the community of practice. So mm -hmm. the RPA initiative continues to grow. We have more members. We have UiPath. We have Cubotica. We have a number of 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 companies helping us send the message of the benefits of software automation to the public sector. And in January of this year, we had a webinar on how it applies to education, and. George Mason, Virginia Commonwealth University, William and Mary, and Virginia State University all talked about how they were using it and how it was more efficient, more effective, and enhancing the student experience, which then gave us the idea because the least automated portion of any sector is the academic sector, that we should really try to bring what we're doing with the RPA initiative to the community of practice. One of our board members is the man who founded the GSA Federal Community of Practice. And we essentially, in a nice way, stole the idea and applied it to all the academic schools in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So we launched it. It's really the first one of its kind in the country. And we're willing or we're wanting to, we have a series of programs, webinars, speeches, demonstrations, and things designed to further educate all the universities, public and private in Virginia, probably all the way down to the community college level, so they could take advantage of it where they think it benefits them and be more efficient, thereby releasing more resources 
to focus on student engagement and helping educate more students and frankly, keeping colleges more constraints in their costs so everybody who wants to go to college can go to college. Really, this is kind of the confluence of a lot of different things uh, to, 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 to do this. So you know, tell me a little bit more about uh, those influences, right? You talk about the the GSA program. You talk about some of the other uh, things that you've seen. When, when when all of these ideas came together, how did this result in in the way that you're approaching uh, this initiative and 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 the, specifically the community of practice, but also the initiative in general? I mean, how did all of this come together to make it happen? Right. Uh, well, first, it's kind of you know a, a confluence of forces, as you said. We were doing a series of webinars through the RPA initiative and we had GSA on and they gave us an insight and on the federal community, RPA community of practice. We had the Vita head on talking about what they were doing service end to end in Virginia. Then we had the schools on talking about what they were doing. And I think Dornan had the idea. We should really focus on how we can help other schools because everyone is continually constrained by resources and we want to get the biggest bang for the dollars being invested. And I think the great thing about this technology, it doesn't scare people away. Like you don't have to heavy code. You don't have to have a PhD in computer science. You know, almost everyone can figure out how to use it, can practice with it, can make sure it works well, and then can implement it in a relatively short period of time. I mean, it's not days, but it's certainly not months or years. So you get results. And then when you get the results, you find there are other things you can do too. And it kind of like is a river which keeps spreading as it goes through the geography. So we finally said, we got a grant from 4A for Virginia, which is a consortium of eight colleges in Virginia to start the um, RPA COP for the Commonwealth or the Virginia Academic C- RPA COP. And they really allowed us to have the resources to set this thing in motion. And with support from some other companies, which I mentioned, you know, we're really beginning to put the the meat on the bones, getting people to join, uh, you know, getting more knowledge about this out there because we want this to be a interactive experience for everybody. They can kind of take all of it, parts of it. Maybe they have questions. Maybe they're worried about risk and we can lower risk, the risk threshold. I know as an economist, people are constantly worrying about, yeah, everyone's selling software, but it doesn't really work. Well, a lot of our people are going to know that it works and can help other people with, here are the best practices, here's what you should do. You know, And I think it's going to be very, I hope I'm not too high on the concept, but I think it's something that will help all the schools perform better with less risk and lower costs in the long run and do the Commonwealth a great service in all their citizens. How do you see this? What, what's coming next? What, what What's on the horizon for us uh, when we're looking forward for, uh, for what's coming next? What I would say is that we really want to sustain a culture of automation and innovation throughout the state of Virginia. Uh, and I think there are a lot of ingredients um, that there are out there, not only at the state level, at the state level at first, but throughout the country. So therefore, uh, I think what we're planning and what we see um, out of this community of pra- <clears throat> practice uh, project is to grow it uh, and scale it nationally. So it reaches at all 50 states. Um, we wanna, like David also alluded to it uh, earlier, invite 
uh, both tech and non-tech um, academics and professionals and students plus state businesses to sign up for uh, on our website, which is we can be found at rpa-va.us. Uh, so please, please uh, do that. I encourage you to the audience if you haven't done it yet and find information there on, on our website. And it, it's just really basically to, to build a recipe, a successful recipe that once we prove that it works, it really, uh, it really can be grown and uh, uh, scaled and distributed nationwide to truly uh, bring this new technology and these new tools to all folks and all people so we could make, uh, you know, increase um, the student experiences, uh, academic success, and also uh, efficiency on the operation uh, side. And one of the short-term goals will be as you if you go to our website is in talking to the private sector and reading your publications there's a lot of there is a lack of supply of people who know how to execute rpa whether it's the beginning process whether it's actually you know putting in the the low tech code etc testing etc so one of the things we want to do with the virginia cop is have a internship section where people who want to no more could go, let's say they're a sophomore or junior in college, get them aligned with schools that uh, with private sector agencies that could provide them internships and or job opportunities for the students as well. Because, you know, we really love being in Virginia. And one of the great things about Virginia is we want to always get our people hired and get our word out there. And I think given the fact that the whole industry is just exponentially on the up upscale they just need to fill jobs and a lot of people are constrained by just not him having any any into any individuals who can do it yeah. and then we also then for all the schools and all the it's kind of a i don't want to say it's a pincer pincer moment but it's it's kind of a, a lot of companies want help we have a lot of schools that can provide help we kind of put it together and we help everybody it's a win-win for everybody and there is no cost to join, which is another great thing about our COP. You know, we're trying to be frugal in what we're spending money on, but we really want to incentivize people to be part of the process. And we don't want to have one barrier that you have to pay some money. I mean, we always accept contributions from people to push the program forward. But if you're working in, let's say, mid-level at Virginia Tech University or some college, James Madison or somewhere in Virginia, it's not like you have to have probably a membership to join. No, it benefits everybody. And that's how we want to keep it. And if I may just add something to what David said, is that we also want to invite and encourage the so-called non-tech people uh, uh, join this because technology or the technology business is not as many people believe it's Tech, only tech people can join this because it's tech and you have to have a STEM degree uh, in everything. It has a both the tech and non-tech component. And this new emerging technologies that they're going out there are very human friendly. A lot of people, they calling them tools that they can use to achieve their, uh, um, you know, humanity, uh, their works, different outcomes. So we really encourage 
all non-tech community and tech community to join this, to learn about it, to learn about the benefits, to, to learn how to work together from the higher education and really, again, increase and enhance that academic success and student experience. So that's what we are all about. We're here basically also to shape the future of our nation uh, through through these initiatives. You know, why, why George Mason? Why the Center for Business, Civic and Engagement? Why is this the place for this to happen. We talked about the confluence of all these things, but but specifically why why you why you two, right? Why <laughs> why is this happening from from you and and how do you think that the specific confluences that we're talking about uh how do you think these are all positioning you to be successful with an initiative like this? Yeah, I think the answer maybe is three or four fold. One, George Mason wants to be the research academic institution in the state of Virginia. We have lots of great competition out there, but our president, who's a great man, is always saying, we got to think about future technology and how we have future technology embedded in humanity. Because if we just have technology in new humanity, it's not going to be a great place, a great world in which we live. Secondly, we are in Northern Virginia, which you could argue is probably second to Silicon Valley in innovation, excitement, activity going on with technology, which I think is important. Puts us like in the geographical right position. I think thirdly, we both think outside the box. I'm not a technologist. I'm an economist. And I think of things in terms of dollars and cents, rates of return, et cetera. And I look at this uh, RPA as a great benefit for the long term to constrain costs. Because as an economist, we want to invest in higher education, but you know, everyone else is out there invest wanting investing in their particular interest or sector as well. So we have to learn to do as much as we can with what we have and make sure we're we're getting a great return on the money that we're invest. And I think fourthly, we just like to be really innovative. I mean, you probably don't know this. I was at the I used to be the CEO of the National Association of Broadcasters many years ago. When we and I ran the campaign when we went from the analog TV to the digital TV. And I wrote a book about it. In fact, I was fascinated by that. And I think this is just a further logical extension of going more digital into the future, which America is going to have to do to stay competitive, not only in our country, but around the world. Maybe I can ask Dornan to jump in here with his thoughts as well. That's exactly right. If I may continue with point number five, <laughs> I think we really we really live um, a transformation era uh, where the technological space, it really becomes uh, a crew point of from an economic perspective, a societal perspective, social perspective and political perspective and geopolitical perspective. So we really want to make sure that we educate correctly and well our population, our decision makers, so everybody are aware of these, well, the benefits, the risk of these technologies, um, as well as how we are basically are able to absorb this whole information and get ready and be prepared, as David said, in this new era of uh, geopolitical competition uh, across the world, and we minimize the risk and uh, um, basically also our national security, uh, ultimately. 
David Rare and Doran Montiano, both co-founders of George Mason University's RPA initiative. You can read more about them and robotic process automation at edscoop.com. There are also links in today's show notes. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere that you get your podcasts. The show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help make it happen, and the entire team contributes. Until next time, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.